rolling. I never. Don't kick the candle. Must be the money. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Tuxedo Time, where we were Tuxedos and It's Time podcast edition, after show edition. Mozzie edition. First, can we just talk about how we took an extensive break from this podcast? Listen. It's been busy. Better late than ever. Yes. It's been busy, but now we're back. I don't know if this is going to end up being like a, uh, I'd love to post this podcast every two weeks, but it's really d- difficult to uh, stay on top of the films and the series and the DVD extras. Well, we were on our friend Maddie's podcast. We were. If you guys want to check that out, I'll leave it in the show notes, beckyandchris.com slash podcast. See, so, yeah, okay, I'm getting back into Whatever it Whatever episode this is. Whatever episode, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so today we're doing the after show edition. If you guys are new here or you saw our short film and you just started watching, the after show edition of the podcast is where we deep dive on the behind the scenes of a big project on our channel, kind of, you know, after show. And we're going to talk about this book that we made, which the pre-order is now closed. So thank you to everybody who pre-ordered the book. Uh, Some of you have been asking if we're going to, if they can still order or if they can buy it, we may have a couple for sale later on, but we haven't decided yet. Yeah. We don't want to like stock a whole bunch of books and just have to ship them out randomly. So if we're going to stock any, if we're going to, add to the pre-order and just like stock a few we're gonna make it probably so it sells out just so we don't have to worry about stocking stuff yeah we're still a solo team here we have to box every single order ship every order and of course we're making films and series and youtube videos and doing all of this stuff too so you know time is and still trying to live a life right yeah, so any book anyone who orders a book it's been packed one of, both of us will probably have touched it at some point. Yes. <laughs> okay, so after show edition, we're going to talk about our short film, Mozzie. So why don't you tell them what the movie was about? Yeah, so Mozzie was a two-week bucket list type road trip that we've been wanting to take uh, for a while now. Yeah, but well, also, well, not only was it a road trip, but it was a... F- yeah, but we've, we've always wanted to do road trip and document it, but we've also wanted to make a coffee tale book, which we always thought was going to be... About featuring, Newfoundland. Featuring Newfoundland. Yeah. Which um, is where we're from. Yeah. So we figured, well, we're not living on the island anymore, so are we ever going to be able to make this book? And the question, the answer to that question is probably not. But then we're like, what if we just did a two-week road trip and tried to make the book? See if we can get enough photos in that two-week span yes. of time to make a book. So that's the premise of the short film. It's uh, feature length, our first feature-length film. Yeah. It's the longest um, video on our YouTube channel to date. Mm-hmm. 67 minutes. Yep. Yeah. It was a feat to turn around the documentary and the photo book in four months. Can we just get a round of applause for Becky? There we go. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Th- you. Thanks, babe. <laughs> thanks for the round of applause. Yes. You're a superstar. You oh, I made, don't know about that. You made a documentary film and you made a coffee table book. I did. You flex all of your muscles. I did flex all of my muscles. Yeah, your old school graphic design muscles, the the original muscles. Yeah. And the photography muscles. The original muscles. Yes. And then the more new ones. Yes. And then the photo film documentary making muscles. You did all of them. Yeah. You should be very proud of yourself. Thank you. A round of applause. (laughs) Thanks, babe. I mean, it was definitely a challenge. It was all a challenge. And you know, one of the reasons why we keep making these series and films on our YouTube channel is to practice, right? It's to take our camera gear and do something with it. You know, everyone loves a good gear video, but also I like to see what people are doing with their gear. And so that's what we kind of want to put out on our channel, show you guys how we use our gear. The funny thing is though, 
that, that the gear videos do the best. Well, we just we just released as of the recording this. We just released the what's in our camera bag Mozzie edition, and it blew. It was like one out of ten. It's our first one out of ten. <laughs> well, the film ended up being a one out of ten ranking. Yeah. Um, but now the camera bag video was, about the film is one out of ten. Yes, go figure. Always, always the case. <laughs> this video is performing better than all your other videos. The camera bag v- version of the video, or the camera bag edition of the video, is going to always do better than the actual project. Always. Hey, I'm not complaining. I will take it. You know what? Ain't that the truth? Yes, we appreciate all the views, even in, even if a video is ten out of ten. If it was a good time to make, I'm happy mm-hmm. about it. Um, so I, I don't a, think anyone knows. Everyone knows what the one out of ten, ten out of ten is. It's this really atrocious trash ranking system YouTube has included in their analytics to make you feel terrible about yourself. <laughs> basically says, oh, if your video is te- doing 10 out of 10, your video sucks. It basically looks at the last 10 videos you've uploaded and then it ranks your newest upload in that scheme of things. So it compares like, oh, you just uploaded this and it, it compares it to the last 10 videos based on where they were at that time. So yeah, if you upload a video that was your lowest views so far, then it'd be 10 out of 10. If, if your video is performing better than all the other videos with respect to views, then it'll be one out of 10. Yeah. I was pleased to see that Mozzie, the documentary film did mm-hmm. hit one of 10. I wasn't expecting that. Not because I didn't feel confident in the film, but a 67 minute long form video posted on a Friday at 11 AM. I was just trying to manage my expectations of the, what that was going to look well, like. Well, it initially started at eight out of 10. It did, which is still better than 10. Out of and 10. that's including uh, a short little trailer video that those usually always do crap. Yeah. Like short little tiny videos. So like it really was probably last place initially. Yeah. And it climbed the ranks as soon as the weekend went through. Cause I guess people were watching it over the weekend. They're like, well, yeah. I'll probably save this cause it's 67 friggin' minutes. Yeah. So they probably saved it and then it cl- slowly climbed the ranks. And then eventually after the weekend it was one out of 10. It was, which was really nice to see. It was yeah. exciting. It's always nice when you put in, extraordinary amount of work into a project to see it doing well and to see you guys like actually enjoying it and sharing it and commenting it on it and you know always like I love reading the comments where you know you guys have felt something whether you cried whether you laughed whether you were angry as well like those that makes me happy that type of feedback makes me super happy it's nice to see the video performing well as normal we're putting out all the dvd extras this is included in that uh, we put up what's in our camera bag. We put up how we planned a 14-day road trip as well. And uh, we've got a couple more coming out. Before we head into our next big project, which I've been head working on. into our next project? Head into our next project. Which direction? North, maybe? North. Head north into our next project. Ooh, spoiler alert. Spoiler. First of all, let's talk about some of the challenges that we faced during this project. There were many. Many. <laughs> well, what were some of them? Well, it was so long ago. First of all, it was May, and now it's September. So Are you telling me that you don't really remember what those challenges June, were? July, September, October. It's five <laughs> months ago. It was like almost half a year ago. Okay. Well, let me start. Okay. Give me a prompt. Line. Line. Okay. <laughs> so first of all, the, the first challenge that was unexpected for mm-hmm. me was when we did the trip that we had been planning. So let me preface this by saying this trip was supposed to happen in 2020. We were planning it. It's actually supposed to be a documentary about icebergs. Which is interesting because that we kind of totally changed the direction there we did and so for two years i was kind of planning this and wasn't really getting anywhere with the plan like mm-hmm. i had an idea of what i wanted to do and the angles but i didn't really i don't know something about it just wasn't feeling like a good fit like i love icebergs and i think they have an interesting story but i don't know it just didn't feel right so after two years we kind of pivoted to oh let's you know pull that idea of the coffee table book out of the back of our heads so which actually kind of works out because 
I think Aiden Robbins just released a video like on about icebergs, icebergs yeah. in Newfoundland. And I was like, wow, I'm glad we didn't like end Do up that. doing like a similar topic. I mean, I'm sure like our videos have been completely different. For sure. His videos are stunning. Check him out. I'm going to leave the link to his video in the show notes. I think that the direction we ended up in felt more natural. I think that it was fun to do. Um, and I wouldn't say it was easier, but it was definitely more in our wheelhouse than doing something that was a little bit more challenging mm -hmm. in terms of trying to find, do, not only doing a heavy amount of research, but trying to find people to interview like in a short period of time is just a lot. So uh, 2020s when the trips was supposed to happen, it was, that was the theme. We pivoted, we changed it. So then we started, you know, planning for what this was going to be. So we were kind of really excited that we we're going to do this you know, two weeks of photography. It's going to be amazing. We're going to have so much fun. We're going to go across the island. We're going to drive across and just, to, you know, it's going to be a blast. And it was fun, but I was not expecting how difficult it would be to shoot not only photos every single day and try to get good shots, but to document it for the documentary that we made and be concise with the story, drive to all these places and simultaneously try to think about all these dvd extras and try to film those at the same time as well yeah there was definitely a lot on your plate as far as the planning side of things um there was always there's always a lot of moving parts with any of these projects but then you're trying to add layers on and make like behind the scenes content mm -hmm. trying to make I mean, getting the photos for the actual photo book. Which was like the main. Yeah. And then also try to make sure that there's a coherent story from start to finish. But also like doing all that, but doing it for 14 days straight all day and then some, and usually into the night. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I think was also one of the more unexpected, um, difficult things was how difficult it is to, because you, you picture these like vacations, these photo vacations as like exactly that, a vacation, mm -hmm. but you're oftentimes up early, up late. And just, you don't actually get as much sleep as you think you would on a vacation. Yeah. I think that the interesting thing was to hear you talk about it as a vacation, where for me, it was like this big, huge shoot that I had been planning for like two years. Oh, yeah. It's like work right? for you. It is work for me, you know? So, um, yeah, the, the sunrise and the sunset shoots definitely were catching up on us. We were up in Newfoundland in May. So sunrise was at 4.45 in the morning. Mm -hmm. Sunset wasn't until like 9.30. that early? I'm pretty sure it was, wasn't it? We were up at four o'clock a lot of days and missing, like yeah. it was like civil start when we were up. Mm. So yeah, it was a lot um, and we were very fatigued. So that was kind of challenge number one. It was your first time like shooting photos in a long time. How was that? Oh yeah, I had to kind of get back in the groove, man. Yeah. It was it was familiar but like not familiar if that makes sense, like mm -hmm. all at the same time. It was leaning back and it's like, "Oh, okay, let me even remember how to do this." But I've been, like I have it's not like I haven't touched a camera for a decade. No, you've been doing imaging. It's just like you used to shoot landscape photos when mm -hmm. we started dating. It was a, a big part of our life for a long time. And then you kind of just stopped shooting photos, kind of more so shooting video and just got kind of distracted by work and the home renovation and all the things we have on the go. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely other things in my life that totally took priority. Yeah. And yeah, I haven't really thought about shooting quote unquote professional photos in quite some time and certainly not landscapes. Right. Yeah. Um, did you find that it came back like natural to you? Uh, I guess so. I think I said it somewhere in the film along the lines of like, I feel like I'm picking up where I left off like 10 years ago. Yeah. And so 
my style is probably very similar to what I was doing back then. Mm-hmm. So it's very different from what you see online nowadays. Right. But what's on Instagram kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure that like I've been like influenced subtly by what people are doing online because you it's just like shoved down your throat on social media all the time. Right. But at the same time, I was trying to hope to use that as my, to my advantage. Like maybe like the photos that we take might look a little bit different than what people would normally see online. Yeah. In, you know, quote unquote, like inf- travel influencer photography and whatnot. Yeah. I think it was nice to kind of try to get outside that box and just shoot. Yeah. That kind of stuff that you don't really see on Instagram. And I think that's what makes it kind of interesting. What makes the book interesting to me. Man, yeah, I don't know. Me, kinda, you might get it and be like, this sucks. I kind of stopped caring about it, like Instagram and stuff. And yeah, it's been like kind of freeing. Yeah. Like the minute that I abandoned, like having to make my grid look the same, I'm like, wow, I can just post whatever I want. Mm-hmm. But the downside is that it always has to be reels because I feel like if you want to get any sort of engagement. Yeah, for sure. I still care about my grid, but not as much as I did previously because mm. reels just makes it pretty difficult. Mm. But um, yeah, I've, some of the other challenges I think were like this video was long, right? The end runtime was 67 minutes. So first time making a long video like that. So, you know, every single step of the process was longer. Like we're, yes. we normally make a 10 to 15 minute video, right? And you quickly color grade it and do your titles or whatever, but now we have 67 minutes. So and proofing it and stuff, oh it's like God. a 67 minute marathon having to watch it through every single time you had to watch it. And then there's a mistake. Oh my God. We exported it. How many times? Like four, four times. Four times. Yeah. And get this. So our internet is really terrible. It took seven hours to upload the film. I uploaded it. Rectum internet. Yeah. I mean, spectrum. Yeah. Uh, I uploaded it the day before. Well, we uploaded it throughout the week before. But the day before, I was like, everything is good. We're all good. All the titles, the cards, everything is in. I look. I find a massive... (laughs) discrepancy in the days the dates of like each day it was like day one day two day three i was did off. you skip a day i or duplicated dump- a day by accident so you were off, you had a there frame- were two f- day fives you had a frame shift error on the days yes and i was like <laughs> oh i had i was at, at my wits end i was i had a meltdown you did ever you were texting me yeah i screamed really loud if you go back and look at the um security cam footage i'm sure you can hear it <laughs> but i was like this so so anyway i fixed it i re-exported it which was a three-hour export then i re-uploaded it It was a seven-hour upload which had to happen overnight i woke up the next morning it was like processing i went through put in the cards put in the titles watched the entire video again (laughs) and then it was the hundredth time for the for yeah for the hundredth time i was so it was painful to watch like when you watch your own video Mm -hmm. 25 times you're you know every word you know every inch of that video it's like is this even good anymore? I, I don't even see any mistakes because I've just, you know, I'm anticipating what's happening and, uh, you know, you fill in the blanks. So like you're going through the motions. Yeah. Anyway, uh, got in in the nick of time. <laughs> Watched it. I had an hour and then the video went live. Wow. Stress. And then there's still one mistake in it. What was the mistake again? The focal length of that one shot. Uh, yes, that's right. The focal <laughs> length of the one shot. So I was like, wow, this looks really like, I think something along the lines of like, wow, that looks really telephoto for 12 millimeters. And yeah. then we're like, oh, Oops. crap. We put the wrong camera yeah. information in. There's bound to be mistakes when you have a video that big with yeah. like two of us, right? Mm. Um, color grading f- took forever. Uh, mixing the audio took forever. And I had to go back and like keep doing it because like the seven hour, normally when we are proofing our videos, we upload it to YouTube and we put it on the TV and we watch it 
through the YouTube compression to make sure that, you know, everything sounds okay. Of course, we couldn't wait seven hours to do that. So we put it on our laptop and plugged it in via HDMI. And the sound was like, not what our videos normally sound like. Yeah, it was a different setup, I think. Yeah. And I had rewatched that video. I had uploaded it and watched it and it compl- sounded completely different through YouTube. Yeah. Anyway, so there was a lot of challenge. You know, the book was challenging in itself, like trying to get this together, trying to proof it, trying to get it off to the printer, trying to get it back in time to have it in the film because there's like, you know, two week lead time and shipping and all that. Oh, yeah, stuff. that was another thing too, is that we wanted to have the book in the film. Yeah. And that added another layer of complexity too. I mean, I guess, granted, we did the whole project back in like May, so. Yeah. We had plenty of time. (laughs) Uh, Well, speak for yourself. (laughs) uh, Plenty of time to make a documentary and design an entire book from scratch, edit every single photo, go through, call the photos, get them all exported. Yeah, there were thousands. How many photos were there? Did we get a final Uh, count? I can't remember. I think after we whittled down your photos and my photos, I think we had, I think we had about 700 selects. And okay. then we were, we cherry picked them based off sets of images for the book. And how, so how many raw images did we have like non-cold? Like I couldn't tell you. 3,000, 4,000? Probably more, probably five. 5,000? I'm not really sure. We had a lot of, we had a few photo time lapses too, which would inflate that number. Yes, absolutely. Let's get into some questions, I guess. Okay. Questions. This profile photo looks like Aaron Tremblay. I- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, they say, I have somewhat of a random question, which actually could be a good BTS video. Ha ha. Uh, oh, 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 oh. You had so much supporting content with this and other video releases, Instagram posts, website stuff, flat life photos, etc. Do you have a master list of all the supporting content to capture and prep, or do you come up with it for each project? I try to think about how you come up with all the things and it, my mind begins to melt. So he's <laughs> talking about like, the trailer, the Instagram stories, the car- Instagram carousels that are designed. I'll pop some up on the screen here. Um, I guess the YouTube hatter, uh, the launch blog posts. Uh, the answer to that is yes. I do have a checklist. I started developing a checklist when we released Heading East last year. You've got like a standard set of items that are going to be the same for all of the series, just branded for that series. Yeah, exactly. So it's like each one will have their own design based on the brand of the series. But yeah, Instagram story post, launch post, Instagram story trailers, um, Instagram in-feed trailers, Instagram carousels, Instagram reels. And you tease it like a week before. Yeah. So I have like, okay, on like this date, this goes live. On this date, these things go live. And so I basically make a content schedule in Melanote. Shout you're, to you're a Melanote power user. I'm a Melanote power user. And uh, yeah, I make a content schedule there and just say like, these are the things that go up. So I have a master list of all of the things. And then I make a work back schedule where those things go live. And that covers like everything, like you just said, like the Instagram posts, the trailer, et cetera. Yeah. But also like you always roll out with a branded header for the YouTube channel. Yes. For each big project. Yes. And then you also will then do, I guess, project specific behind the scenes content nuggets. Mm-hmm. You know, like for this one, I mean, for most of them, we'll do a, what's in my, what's in our camera bag for that tri- specific trip. Right. Because every trip we do has a different camera bag configuration yeah it's different gear because we're using for this one specifically we, we took everything right you can find that it's linked in the show notes as well um this is our heaviest kit heaviest kit because we were shooting the photo book we needed everything yes all of our lenses basically yeah so we like to do the what's in my camera bag for each one um yeah for this one like i knew ahead of time we we're gonna do a set build video we we're gonna do uh how to plan a trip video and as we were doing the trip 
we were doing a behind the scenes vlog and there were a bunch of little stories that popped up during the trip that I was like, okay, I don't, I don't see this fitting in the film for what I planned, but this could be a separate video. And then you were talking about your FPV stuff a lot. And I was like, okay, we can make this into a separate video. So on the fly, as we were there, we were like coming up with video, like DVD extras during mm -hmm. the shoot. Whereas like some of them we knew ahead of time we were going to do. I like to put up a launch blog post and change the header on our website as well to reflect the YouTube header and the project that's kind of The project with. branded specific header. Yeah, I don't think anyone really cares or like looks at our website, but I don't know. It brings me joy to do that. Yeah, that's the, that's the graphic designer, the, the, the marketing agency, ex-marketing agency worker here. Exactly. <laughs> it's funny because like as we were doing this project, like turning around a book like this is a significant amount of work, but it's something I used to do all the time at the marketing companies or like when I was doing freelance, like a, a brand would come to you and be like, hey, I need this thing done. Sometimes it was an annual report. Sometimes it was something else and they need to turn around really quickly. So you're busting your balls trying to get it done. So working in a tight time period, doing page layout is something I used to do all the time. This was no different than it's, what you normally did for design. Exactly. No different except for... It was more fun. It's more fun. Designing for yourself is also a challenge, but also fun. And then having to edit all of those photos yourself. Did you find that you almost got into like a little bit of a sort of a, almost like a stalemate with yourself, which oftentimes you can get in when you're trying to when you're making your own things and you've hyped everything up so much and then like, you just don't know. It's like, is this good enough? Oh yeah. Is this like what the vision was? Mm -hmm. And then you just get so, you just get paralyzed with it. Yes. Not really with the book, um, but with the film 100%. I think because I was so in it, the book I was pretty much was able to turn around fairly quickly. And I was using some of your photos and my photos. I think it was all my photos. I would probably would have been more paralyzed but it was fun to use your photos, but for the film, definitely. I was like, I don't even know if this is good. I don't even know what this is about. Did you feel bad that you had to use my photos? No. Because... Why? Because what? You thought they were not great? Maybe there was some of them weren't as good um, as yours. Excuse me. You had some of the best photos of the trip. Uh, can we talk about Pissing Mare Falls? <laughs> That's the name of the falls. My favorite photo that you took. The fox shot. <laughs> uh, can we talk about... Bonavista night shots. Excuse me. No, I did not feel <laughs> bad having. I felt bad because you, he, you're totally the type of person that would be like, "Oh, I'm going to use his photo because we haven't used his, his in a while." And I feel bad just using the best photos that are mine. <laughs> oh, I hated the fact that there's more of my photos in that book than yours, just by a little, I think. But no, I mean, I loved being able to use your. You had a completely different perspective. You shot things in a completely different style than I normally do. I think that was so refreshing to be able to use your work high five teamwork <laughs> teamwork um i was just gonna say something though about oh yeah going back to the book and designing that and the marketing company thing when i was freelancing i always wanted to have a client who would come to me and and ask me to do all of it like design me page layout design me branding design me signage design me social media posts and Sometimes it would work out and sometimes it wouldn't. And a lot of times the client would have a different vision than you'd have. And then, you know, by the end of a project, you're like, oh, this is not what I wanted to design. Right. But now I can be that client for myself, which is why I do the blog posts and the headers and like all that <laughs> stuff. Because it brings me a lot of joy. It's like I'm that client for myself. You can see the vision through to the end, start to finish, design all the assets exactly how you want. Exactly. <laughs> when the book came, how did you find, like, what did you feel when you opened the box? Because I had you open the box on camera. Yeah, it was exciting. It was like Christmas. Yeah. It was interesting because um, I probably don't visualize things the same way you do. Right. 
Like you're so used to seeing something on a screen and then seeing what it looks like in real life. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Cool. But I think it worked out. Yeah, I was really pleased with the book mm-hmm. and how it looked. Yeah, I love the 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 matte finish, the matte paper. Yeah. It's like heavyweight matte paper. It uh, The color reproduction, I think, was really nice, too. This is the best color reproduction I've ever seen, well, from a printing company, yeah. in my opinion. From, uh, from a book stand now, I've only used two companies. Yeah. But this one was really good. Um, should we get on to a next sure. question? Sure, let's okay. go to the next one. Uh, next question is... How did you guys deal with the stress of having so much footage and photos to back up and store? And how do you stay organized without the fear of losing anything? If you can make a video on that topic, that'd be great. Probably should make a dedicated video on that, but we can talk about it now. Yeah. There is always a fear of losing everything. Always. Always. Yes. It's... <laughs> so the, the, the first thing that we do is anything high risk like drones, we automatically will swap the card out. So I think I talked about another video, but we have a ton of 32 gig cards. Yes. Which 32 gigs by nowadays standards are very small but i only needed to store one or two clips because as soon as that drone comes back i'm taking that card out putting it in the card wallet to get backed up at the end of the day and then putting a new fresh card in so if the drone decides not to come back then at least we have we've kind of like hit this it's like hitting the save button yeah reaching a checkpoint yes yeah now as far as the backing up all the footage is concerned every day or sorry, every night i should say when we got back from whatever we were shooting that day we very diligently set everything up, set the laptop up, dumped all the cards from the day, and then we but we leave all the footage on the cards as well. So we've got footage on the computer or connected to a, an external hard drive. We've got footage that's left on the on the cards. And then when we go out the next day to shoot, we'll either leave the laptop in the hotel a separate from us. If so if we get robbed and our cameras get stolen then the footage, the copy of the footage on the cameras is gone, but we have a, a separate copy elsewhere. Or if our hotel gets broken into and the footage in the laptop gets stolen, we still have all the footage backed up on our cards. Yeah, so, so that kind of gives us a bit of peace of mind. Yeah, and it say obviously it, it will protect against any card, um, corrupt cards that might happen. Yes. Which, yeah. knock on wood, we haven't had in a while. No, thankfully. We're using Sony Tough Cards and ProGrade cards, and they both have been fantastic. Um, yeah, that gives us a bit of peace of mind. And, of course, when we come home, we're backing all of that footage up on our uh, raid towers, mm-hmm. and then those are getting backed up on the cloud. So a lot of times we end up with we don't format our cards right away until we've gone through all of the footage to make sure that we have all yeah. of the footage. And then even then, that stuff still kind of gets left on the laptop until we need to delete it for space, like for another project. Right. And the RAID towers that we're using is a RAID. Usually we're using RAID 5 arrays, which are both, we've decided to kind of go with both an archival purpose as well as working drives. And so the RAID 5 has, it's a multi-disc array and it uses one, it dedicates one drive to parity. So it can survive up to a one drive failure. And I think your biggest RAID tower has six drives with five Basically, six drive, five drives plus one for redundancy, um, and it stripes the redundancy across all the dri- all the drives itself. So it can survive. Basically, it's a six bay tower with uh, that can survive up to one dri- hard drive failure. Yeah. And then that all those hard drives that we use are then backed up to the cloud. Yes. So there is a critical point where our internet again sucks so bad, and we've got almost a, probably a, almost a terabyte of footage here. It probably took a month to upload all that footage. Yeah. And I, I think that half of our cards still have footage from that trip on it. Probably. Yeah. We're heading 
North. Yes. <laughs> Multiple projects. I just deleted a bunch of footage from the Newfoundland trip off the laptop today because I was using it to head it to edit the Did helicopter you have to series. Like... I was like, delete. <laughs> yeah. It's very awkward to. It's, yeah, it's scary. Because you just think, what if, what if? Exactly. You yeah. never know. Uh, it only takes one or two times to lose footage to be terrified. Mm-hmm. This is a tweet from Chris Jones. They say, okay, I'm so ignorant. I had no idea Newfoundland was so breathtaking everywhere. I think that Newfoundland and Labrador is such an underrated location for landscape photography and just for like general visiting. It is underrated. Is that Chris Jones, the IR? Yeah, it is. It's probably one of the most underrated Canadian destinations. Yeah. It's a little bit off the beaten path. It's hard to get to. It's on an island. It can be expensive to get on and off the island. You pay the premium because it's such a sparsely populated area. And yeah, like, you have to have a car. Yeah. Like anything that's sparsely populated, the it's like economy to scales, right? It just Everything costs more. Yeah. I It was cool because we saw a different side of Newfoundland than we had really seen. Like We visited a lot of places that we had been before, but we also added some new places to the list. I'd never been to Bonavista. I'd never been to Bonavista and I'd never been down the other, down the other side of the peninsula mm -hmm. to Tickle Cove. Yeah. That was a complete, like, I almost felt like I was in a completely new province. Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. We have never been to Fogo, Fogo Island either. Never to Fogo, never to Merritt's Harbor. But we also going back with like a different perspective on everything too. Yes. Like not only were we going to different places, but it was also like we were going back now as tourists and before we had been the places that we had been to the last time we were there, it was just like, oh, this is home. All right, la di da. Yeah. You can see this anytime you want and just kind of disregarded it. Right. So it's, it's, it's a different, a bit of a different perspective shift too. For sure. When we were planning the trip, we were really hoping to go all the way up the Northern Peninsula to Lansing Meadows. Mm -hmm. But with the time, like when you really break down two weeks into like multiple locations, like uh, Newfoundland, the island of Newfoundland is really big. It's like the size of Tennessee, or not Tennessee, uh, Pennsylvania, about the same, same area. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it takes 12 hours, eight hours to drive from St. John's to Cornerbrook, which is the two main cities, and then 12 hours to get all the way up to Lansom Meadows yep. from St. John's. So adding a massive drive, it's like five hours, I think, from Cornerbrook to get up to the tip. Because I was mm -hmm. like, let's go back to Carpoon Island, the iceberg nest that we saw on Cold Island. And uh, the iceberg nest wasn't done. So then I was like, well, we'll go to Lansom Meadows. And it just, it didn't work out uh, timeline wise. And it actually is kind of good that we didn't because the weather was not working out for us while we were up there. Yeah, it's it's unpredictable weather as always on that island. But I think, you know, regardless of what we did, I think it would have been fine. Yeah. If we had gone up there, it would have been fine. If we didn't go up there, which we didn't, it was fine. Yeah, we missed the whole South Coast, but all of that area, you know, France Way, we went there before, like Burgio, all, a lot of these places are like far drives away and then like you have to hop on a boat. Yeah, like you said though, you two weeks sounds like a long time. It's not. But when you break it up into like multiple, I mean, even just breaking up the island in the four sort of arbitrary regions like we did. Yeah. I mean, you're only getting like four days in each you know less than four days in each spot right yeah so it, it, it it's a few and then within each spot you're gonna have multiple cities then you're like one day in each location right and then you have drives big drives yeah. and then half the time is probably taken up commuting between spots so it's actually not that long when you want to try to be trying to make a representative product that represents the entire island is impossible yeah in two weeks but yeah. we, we knew that going in we did right so like, we we tried to pick the most bang for our buck locations right 
and, and South, unfortunately South Coast, while it's gorgeous, yeah, it uh, it's just too much of a um, a difficult time to get there. I also think too, like we ended up down there. Uh, well, only one spot. We ended up in France away for Cold Island, mm-hmm. so that didn't mean for us that we seen all of it. But it meant that like some of the places that we didn't make it to during Cold Island, our first helicopter series in 2019, like Fogo Island, like we added that to the list. So right. we kind of sacrificed the South Coast for that. Share the love. Share the love. Mm. Okay, next question. Uh, Matthew, it looks like O'Brien, I got a screen notification covering half of their name. Um, they ask, what are your thoughts on making a video or a series that covers the most important things to know in the bookmaking process from do's and don'ts in InDesign, communication with the printer, bookmaker, et cetera? Love to know all of that. Again, congrats. Oh, man. That's a loaded That's a loaded question. Dude, like. You're like <laughs> trying to compress an entire profession of graphic design and production into. A video. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost impossible to do it in a video. Mm. Might be working on something. Keep an eye out. Maybe a course. Maybe a course. Even then, it's tough to compact all that information into. It's like your entire knowledge as a graphic designer and yeah. production artist. It's like, where do you stop? You know? Yeah. I was like, oh, I'll do this. And I wrote an outline for it. And then I was like, but this, but this, but then this is important. And then suddenly it's like a 15 module thing. And <laughs> so, suddenly it's a college degree. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, there's a certain point. It's like, how in depth do you go? Where do you start? Where do you stop? It's like, if you go to surface level, then there's not enough value. If you go too deep, it's too deep. You get lost in the weeds. So I'm trying to figure out kind of this middle ground to give you guys the ability to be able to open InDesign as somebody who's never opened it before and do the basics Mm -hmm. to get yourself a photo book and what you need to know to talk to the printer to get that printed. Yeah. I think that um, you have a unique background in graphic design and production in turn too, because that's kind of part of your training mm-hmm. to be able to create something like I, we sort of take that for granted because we've always been able to make print objects. Yeah. And we've been doing it since like, you know, forever the day. Yeah. So to create this book for us, it probably doesn't seem that amazing, mm-hmm. but probably to somebody who's never done any of that, they probably think, wow, this is like a very unique thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's lots of services out there where you can like use an online book builder and that takes a significant amount of work out of it. Because mm-hmm. anytime you design something from scratch, it's a lot of work. And especially yeah. if you're learning a new program, it's like if you've never done video editing and you open up Premiere and try to edit a video, it's exactly the same as opening up InDesign and having to <laughs> lay out a book. Because yeah. it's like with video, it's like you need to understand frame rates and resolution and all the color space and all that stuff. It's the same with InDesign. It's like you have to understand page size, resolution, gutters, bleeds. Uh, color theory, color ICC workflow. profiles, yeah, <laughs> color managed workflow, all this stuff, and like mm-hmm. then the proper files to be placing in that book. So anyway, we're working on a little something. So keep an eye out for that. Hopefully, I can pull it off. It's been it's taking me two years to uh, complete the course that we're going to be releasing in a couple of months. <laughs> so hopefully, it won't take that long. Okay, the next question is: First things first, I would like to say how awesome this film was. Thank you very much. My question is: Since this was a travel aimed for photography, and the weight was not an issue. Did you bring two kits, one for photo and another for documenting everything? Thanks again. It's funny because we always talk about how like weight for us when we shoot these series is always an issue because we're doing it in the helicopter. Mm-hmm. This time we were traveling via car, so it wasn't. No, yeah, I mean, there, weight is always going to be an issue in a sense that like you have too much gear and too many bags. It's just going to be cumbersome to travel with. But yeah, we basically took our whole kit. So we made a video about what was in our camera bags, two camera bags, two bags, one trip. <laughs> 
And if you want to see that, we'll leave it in the show notes. But in summary, we took three camera bodies in every single lens we have. Yeah. Yeah. We left two lenses actually at home. Oh, really? Which ones did we leave at home? 24 mil and the 90. Oh, the 90 macro and the 24 mil prime. Okay, interesting. Uh, the reasons why we left those in the bag is, it, the reasons why we left those in the office is we had 24 covered with the 24 to 70. Mm-hmm. And we thought 24 to 70 was a bigger bang for our buck in terms of lens than mm-hmm. the prime. And that we, 24 one four, that was a nice lens. It's a beautiful lens. Yeah. But you know, you have to make sacrifices, right? When you yeah. have that much kit. The 90, I just Law didn't. Law of diminishing returns. Yeah, I didn't see a place for the 90. I mean, I didn't think we were going to be doing any macro. We had the 70 to 200. We so had we covered 90 millimeters. I got itchy nose now. Hang on. No, you're just picking your nose. Yeah. What? All right. Next question. Okay. Next question is, question for the pod. How do you balance not only shooting photos for the whole trip, but capturing enough video to make a doc at the same time? Step one, get a wife who does both. <laughs> it's two, so hard. Let her do it all. Step three, profit. <laughs> um, how do you balance it? Well, you do a lot of pre-production planning. Yeah, this film, I did a significant amount of pre-production. I actually did more than I normally do because I knew we were shooting this book and the photos were going to be a priority. So I knew that I needed to have storyboards and I needed to have a in-depth outline of what this video and story was going to be so I could just look at it, shoot it, and focus on photography. Uh, definitely there were times during the shoot or during the editing process where I was like, oh, we forgot to get this shot or missed an entire part of the storytelling a lot of you know that kind of sucks but we did the voiceover the interview after and that kind of helps fill in some of that story like we knew we were going to be doing like tied together tied together with a voiceover yeah because it was going to be so difficult to it's it's like you can't put 100 percent attention on both tasks right it's either you like put it all towards the photos and then the video went you know suffers or you put it all towards the video and then you forget to shoot all these photos which is the whole purpose of the trip to make a photo book exactly so we kind of knew that as long as we do our best to kind of at least get us from point a to point b and shoot enough b-roll and shoot enough stuff on site to make a story we can at least explain things in the in with the voiceover. Exactly. But we also explain things on site too to make sure we had multiple options. Definitely. I think that going back to our like background in vlogging, it was like, let's talk about what we're doing here on camera, vlog style, or you film me, me film you, and we'll talk through it. Seven shot sequence, which we always talk about. So if we're at a new location, we make sure we get our wide shot, our medium shot, our close up shots, show what's happening, show the story that's kind of unfolding, then focus on you know, we'll leave a video or a link to the seven shot sequence video too in the show notes. In the show notes, yeah. Um, but I actually storyboarded the entire intro, the entire travel sequence, the entire about section, and the introduction for every single region. So I knew exactly what I had to shoot in order to introdu- introduce each of those regions. Yeah. So you storyboarded it all and you literally had a shot list. I had a shot list. I basically, once again, Millinote. I did storyboards in Millinote. I had a board for every single scene. I used columns in Millinote and then I used a bunch of stock images from like iStock or whatever and just kind of filled it in. And it wasn't exact. It was just kind of giving me a frame of reference of like what I was thinking. So, okay, I know I want like a close-up shot of keys or I want a close, most mostly for like the travel sequence, a airport shot, car shot, pulling in the parking lot shot, or like a shot of this forest or a shot of these waves or whatever. So all of those things were storyboarded. So I could just like look and go, okay, I need this shot, this shot, this shot today. Get them and then shoot photos. Pull it together in the... Pull together in the edit. In the interview. <laughs> all right. Uh, 
Last question from my girl, Zoe Valet. She says, podcast question. I can't see it. It's down too low. What was each of your favorite B&Bs you stayed in during the trip and why? We stayed in a lot of different Airbnbs. We did, yeah. Um, what was your favorite? Uh, hmm. I think that... I know your favorite spot that you stayed, but it wasn't Airbnb. <laughs> my parents' house? <laughs> oh, maybe, yeah. The Hue and Draw? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Hue and Draw was the only hotel that we stayed in. Yeah. That, I think, was my favorite place that we stayed only because... I'd been wanting to stay there for a long time and it was beautifully designed. In terms of the Airbnbs, uh, I think I'm going to say Bonavista. Yeah, Bonavista was nice. It was, I think we were the first people to stay there, weren't we? Yeah, it was a brand new place. It was right on the ocean. I had wished that we got to stay there a bit longer so mm. we could have gotten use of the bonfire area that was right on the cliff. Oh, I don't know. That one was pretty cool. Um, the lighthouse was kind of cool. Yeah. The, the lighthouse I liked because it was just like a neat, thing to stay in it was unique but it was like the the heat on the bottom floor didn't work and the and the bottom floor was where the bathroom was yeah so it was absolutely freezing yeah um that kind of sucked but yeah it was neat being like a little lighthouse and the host was really sweet yes they're all very sweet yeah i think they're all good i don't think we had one bad airbnb experience the one on fogo was an awesome spot Mm. but you know, with Newfoundland weather and the high winds that we had that one night. Oh my gosh, it felt like it was going to blow over. Yeah, it did. And it sounded crazy. Like there was a bedroom up in the loft and you can hear it in the video because it's an actual sound clip from the house. You might think that was... Sound, sound effects. effects. No, <laughs> that was what it sounded like. So that's the actual sound inside the house. And that sound was happening all night, all night long. Yeah. So I slept for one hour up in that loft through the whole night. We were supposed to get up at five o'clock in the morning so we could get the 7 a.m. ferry. I hadn't slept at all at that point. Mm. So I ended up going downstairs into one of the other bedrooms, which was still pretty loud, but wasn't as bad. Mm-hmm. And I slept for like an hour and a half in there. I think I probably slept broken. For Meanwhile, I'm dead to the world. I don't even realize you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And then you came up and I think you were saying like, I'm gonna, we're going to sleep in. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I can't get up and do this right now. A, I'm going to be sick all day and I'm going to lose a full. And I did, we did lose a full day because of that. That's okay. It worked out. It was fine. Yeah, it was all, but it was a cool Airbnb, the location. You found all your little artist studios, right? Yeah. I think Fogo Island was awesome. I like the entire, I think every little region had its own little feel. Every region had something to offer, didn't it? Yeah. You know what other place I thought was really magical? Mm. Elston. Yes. Yeah, that was a nice little spot too. Yeah, especially because when we went there. What was the capital? Uh, is what capital? Root cellar capital of the world? Yeah, I believe so. <laughs> that didn't end up in the video, but. No. It's in one of the TV extra videos, but uh, we showed up there and. It was the Puffin viewing site, mm-hmm. also the root seller capital of the world, I guess. And we met some fellow YouTubers. We there. did, yeah. Where were they from again? Germany. Somewhere not here. Yeah, they were <laughs> road tripping across the island of Newfoundland in their van. Yeah. And then, like a week later, we saw their van driving on the highway, like on the west coast. It was yeah. so random. Yeah. It was small. like, oh my God, that's those people. Uh, well, I guess when you have one two lane highway. For yeah, the I mean, entire... where else are they going to be? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, we were going to this puffin viewing site to try to get some shots of these puffins. Apparently, they're the most active in the morning and in the evening. 
So we show up and there's just beautiful golden light and it's just magical. Like I have these magical memories of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, But she didn't get any puffins. No puffins. No puffins. And my hands were freezing. But we went back the next day. They're so small, the puffins. They're so tiny. Mm. They're really hard to shoot. I didn't really get a good picture of them. No, there's no pictures of puffins in the book. There's not. That was a fail. I got one picture that I had to crop in, and I was like, this picture's not great. Yeah. And didn't one, like, one of the photographers that we follow online, was it Tom Cochran? Posted, I think it was Gordon, Gordon Follett, wasn't it? Someone posted, someone. like, an amazing picture of a puffin, like, filled the frame. It was Ray Mackey. And I was like, God, oh, I can't put a puffin picture in this book. <laughs> That's the, yeah, the ones that we got were the subpar. The light wasn't great. It was a super crop. It wasn't that sharp. Yeah, yeah. we'll throw it in a video, but it's not going to be in the book. Yeah. You know, it's hard when you're filling a book. It's like you want to pick your best images and the ones that kind of f- have the sense of place. And we had to cut a lot of pictures. Didn't make the cut. Didn't make the cut, and the puffin didn't. But yeah, I think it was Ray Mackey, and I was just like, I can't. This how <laughs> <laughs> there's some really good photographers from the island i was just going to say newfoundland is filled with fantastic photographers yeah. phenomenal um there's another girl kara o'keefe i think her name is mm-hmm. so good so good uh okay let's see uh one thing before i i have a couple of questions to ask you a little quiz if you will we're play a little <laughs> okay game here we go before we go but is there a, is there a jingle for this there's no jingle. Yeah. Okay. So before we play this little game, mm-hmm. I just wanted to briefly chat about the shipping costs and just apologize for the insane cost that was those shipping prices. Like that was the lowest and slowest rate that we were offered. And a lot of the other- You're apologizing for something you can't control. I can't get, I know because I got a lot of emails and a lot of messages and a lot of like people who are wondering if they could get it cheaper and slower and it was just not possible and it's just out of my hands and it just feels really shitty to not be able to get a better price. Just I, I wanted to apologize. I wanted to let you know that that was the slowest and cheapest we were able to get. And I wanted to say thank you for those who still went ahead and ordered despite the insane shipping costs. Yeah. And who ordered anyway, even, you know, in the U.S. with normal shipping costs. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys really came through for us and blew our goal. Like way out of the water yeah Uh, like like 7x yeah i couldn't believe it 7.5x so thank you for i thought like yeah we'll probably sell maybe it's like should we get 100 books or should we push and get 200 books we were gonna order 100 books and just put them up for sale yeah and they were like why don't we do a pre-order because i think this would be easier and it just makes we've never done a pre-order before it was a big question mark for us we had no idea we didn't know what yeah and I think it was like we were talking. We we're like, well, Sarah Dietschy does pre-orders on most of her, the merch drops I've seen that she's done. And we've had businesses in the past where we've gotten merch and then have been stuck with a lot of merch. Yeah. I didn't want to get stuck with hundreds of books. Oh my God, yes. I was so scared of that. Yeah. So anyway, thank you guys. Yes. We appreciate you. Thank you. You guys are the best. Okay. I want to play a game. On to my quiz. What is this? The quiz for... So I'm going to ask you five design related questions. Okay. Here's the thing in this relationship. We all know that I run the social media. I do the video editing. Chris mm-hmm. taught me how to do video. <laughs> I am a graphic designer. I do the design. Mm-hmm. Chris knows how to use after effects. He does all of the animations. Mm-hmm. That is the one kind of tasks that we don't really switch back. And we don't forth overlap on. on no video editing, photography, photo editing, doing audio. We overlap on all of the things mm-hmm. you can do a little bit of design. That's a negative. I understand keyframes. <laughs> I don't. So anyway, 
So I because we you made the book for animating. For animating, yeah. Use After Effects. I open after After Effects. I mean, let's not be real. I'm not like a an After Effects power user by any means. Well, you made all of our maps, so thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Uh, so I have five design related questions here. I'm just okay. curious. I wanted to know if maybe you knew what these things are. It's like what I asked Becky, helicopter related questions. Exactly. So tables of turn, motherfucker. It's my <laughs> turn to quiz you. All right, bring it, Peckham. Okay. My first question is yes. what is jogging paper? Oh, jogging paper. Um can I demonstrate? Sure. It's like this. And then yeah. it makes like a little wave in the back and it makes them all even. <laughs> yes, you are correct. When you take a ream of paper and you jog it so that all of the edges become perfectly lined up and straight. And then once they're perfect, then you can put it in a cutter and cut it. And get your bone folder out. (laughs) I do love a good bone folder. (laughs) Okay. Ding. Oh, man. I remember all of these things coming back from when you were in design school. You were in college. Okay. Do you know what a bleed is? A bleed. Yes. That is the um, part of the paper. That's part of your layout that you want to, if you want to have an image that goes off the edge of the page. Do you know what that's called? Bleeding the image. Well, I'll accept it. <laughs> <laughs> it's called a full bleed. A full bleed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if you want a full bleed, so you want the, the image to be bleeding off, off the paper, bleeding off the paper, you can't just put the picture to the edge of the paper because there's like likely going to be a little line there. Mm-hmm. So you have to give the, um, the printer some margin for error to cut. Yes. So you cut on the bleed. Your bleed gets cut. That's right. Via crop marks. Usually that bleed is? One eighth of an inch. Or? One quarter of an inch. Correct. Good job. <laughs> Unless you're doing something specific, like that spine of the book, the, ble- the bleed. Well, I was going to say, wouldn't it matter? Wouldn't the bleed be specified by the printer? It, the bleed is specified. Good. The bleed okay. is specified by the printer. Normally, if you're doing a one page thing, a quarter inch bleed would be perfect. But mm-hmm. like, say for the spine of that book, like mm-hmm. the bleed was like 0.875 or something. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. It was big. <laughs> it was a big, weird bleed. The bleed was almost bigger than the spine. Bizarre. Yeah. It was really weird. Anyway. Okay. How, what question are we on now? This is two? The, the number three. Oh, okay. Um, you what, have five? Yeah. F- okay. One, two, three, four, five. What is a spread? A spread is two pages when you open the book. Yes. Yes. So bonus question. Mm-hmm. What is a full page spread? A full page spread is when... You have one image going across both piece pages. <laughs> I should have said it with more confidence. Yeah, you should have. Good, good, good. Okay. Making this shit up as I go. I'm going to stump the shit out of you right now. <laughs> well, I've got three out of five. That's, six, that's 60%. That's, yeah. That's pass. Okay. I could not answer any more questions. I still passed. Do you want to see a full page spread? Is this a sexual innuendo? <laughs> yeah. a, here is a full page spread. Oh, that's a nice one. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of my favorites. This section of the book actually is one of my favorites. Uh, it's it's all black and white this section. Okay, that's a full page spread and mm-hmm. full bleed. The image goes off on all sides. Wow, you might as well add a spot varnish to that to go full all out. Wow, well, that wasn't even on the list. Thank God you would have ruined the question. <laughs> okay, uh, the third, thir- fourth, fifth, fi- fuck. Fourth question. <laughs> the fourth question is, what are facing pages? What are facing pages. Yep. I think this has to do with how the layout is interpreted in your layout program because the problem with when you look at your when you look at the the electronic document it's like page 1, page 2, page 3, page 4. But when you make a book, you've got like little tiny small little mini bundles of paper that it's like little mini books inside. 
that make up the full book. Mm -hmm. So the way you do your pagination will maybe determine what pages are facing each other. Like page one is not facing page two. Page one is facing like page like 48. That is correct. Uh huh. But that's not what a facing page is. Oh, okay. Facing page. <laughs> 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 ah, my fat fingers. I need to add a fart sound effect in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, facing pages is when you're setting up your document uh -huh. in InDesign. And so you have your pages, right? Each mm -hmm. individual page. So you can choose to set it up as just single pages mm -hmm. or facing pages. So it shows you two pages as a spread side by oh, side facing, facing pages. pages. So I should have just said what I thought. I was like two pages that face each other. Duh. Yes. <laughs> that was it. I thought you were going to get into fancy stuff. Okay. Well, the, my next question is fancy and uh, this might fuck your brain a little bit based on your answer just then. Okay. What are printer spreads? Printer spreads. I feel like printer spreads. I feel like this, the answer to this question is more in line with what I just gave. Um, printer spreads are going to be the difference between the actual, like what the order of the pages would be in for the book versus what they would be in if you were proofing them, like what we did, where we printed off page one, page two, page three, and just looked at them in order. Kind of. It's the answer is exactly what you said before. <laughs> so the printer spreads are going to be oh the printer spreads are the out of order ones for the book yes oh the way that they actually get printed so, so that when they're credit for that you get partial credit so when you fold okay. them they're the correct so reader spreads mm -hmm. would be um basically it printed as if each individual page was there so with a printer spread oh, reader spreads is what i was talking about you, just then. yeah exactly okay. yeah so reader spread is going to be where all your pages are in order mm. printer spread is going to be where your all your pages are out of order so you might have a page that has page one and page 40 right and then the opposite side would be page two and page whatever the math is 39, on that. 39 or I whatever know. i don't know whatever because after they're folded and you i guess it would paginate in your mind it, no, I can't. Call yourself a designer? I definitely rely on software for that. <laughs> but, you know, depending on how they're printed, if there they're going to be like case um, bound or saddle stitched or whatever. So what am I, What was my score? 70%. I think I would give you a solid 70%. Solid 70%? Do you That's know what, do not you, good enough for Christmas <laughs> in my Asian household. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what saddle stitching is? I'll give you a bonus question. Bonus saddle. question? How many points is it worth? Um, you can get 100 if you get what saddle stitching is. Saddle stitching? Yeah. Um, it's when you are... Uh, well, it's 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 a op... It's all... <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Well, it's uh, let me just it's uh, an say, uh, it's, a, it's an it's alternative a, to perfect bind. It's one of those. It's, uh, it's definitely to, one of those. It's an alternative to perfect binding, <laughs> okay. and it's basically where it's you <laughs> have all your pages, and then you stitch it. You stitch it down the middle, and then you fold it. Yes. Saddle stitching. Saddle Final stitching. Answer. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes. Hundred percent. We're <laughs> Christmas in the Asian household again. Nailed it. The reference to that is that my mom once once told me when I was in grade seven or eight, she's like, "If you get any bees on your report card, there's no Christmas." <gasps> And I came home crying because I got a 79 in math and 79 is a B in oh. this school system and there's no Christmas. Wow. And, and my mom was like, honey, I didn't say that. I was like, yes, you did. Oh, to babe. This day, to this day, mom still denies that she ever said it. Really? Yeah. She definitely said it. There's no way that I would have, have just made that up. If I came home with a 79, I would have gotten a cake. Yeah, see, <laughs> so that would have been celebrated. That's a like, great mark for me. I think like A's and B's were different in my school system. Ah, uh, 
Because so in our school system, I think that maybe we just had different brains and different expectations no, no, no. from our parents. Riverwood Middle School in Kingwood, Texas. Okay. From ninety to ninety, ninety to one hundred was A. Nine, yes. A B was eighty to eighty-nine. Okay. Yeah. A C was seventy-five to seventy-nine. A D was seventy to seventy-four, and a F was sixty-nine and below. Oh wow! Yeah. You get an F. Okay, so if you if you turn in a paper a day late, it's a fifty automatically. Two days late, zero automatically, and you still are responsible for the paper. Jesus. Yeah, very strict system. I'm pretty sure that below fifty for us was a fail. Fifty to sixty was a D. Sixty to seventy was a C. <laughs> C. Seventy to seventy nine was a B. And eighty to one hundred was an eighty. Eighty to one hundred was an A. No, eighty to ninety was an A. Ninety to one hundred was an A plus. That's what it was when I moved to Canada. I got C's and B's and sometimes D's and every now and then an F. And that is why. I had a tutor for every single subject. <laughs> no, I was going to say, that's why I have mommy issues. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, mom. I love you. Oh, that's sweet. I think it's time for those chocolate chip cookies that we have upstairs. Yes. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Tuxedo Time. And if you haven't checked out the film, it's linked in the show notes com slash podcast, whatever episode this is. Thank you so much to everyone who watched the film, commented, liked, shared, bought a book or didn't buy a book, whatever way you supported us. We I was just amazing that people would spend 67 minutes and watch it. And then some people said they watched it multiple times. You have no idea how much yeah. that means to us because this was so much work. And But you know what? It worked out. It was a huge time commitment. But yeah, it was really nice to see your support. So thank you so much for supporting us. We appreciate it. And hopefully we'll be back soon with more podcasts. Yes. We have a lot of after shows coming up for something next. Okay. Okay. Bye. Love you. Bye.